Hey, are you into werewolves, mad scientists, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. I don't see where you're confused, Gavin. It's a pair of singularities in synchronized oscillation that creates a rift in time contained in a suitcase-sized device that fits in the back of a 1987 Toyota Tercel. It's very simple. Ass. The following podcast contains... Now, I had heard that word at least ten times a day from my old man. My father worked in profanity the way other artists might work in oils or clay. It was his true medium, a master. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you travel a couple of hundred years into the past for a piece of junk you get for 20 bucks on eBay, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is episode number 312. Whoa, whoa, here he comes. He's a John Tita edition of the show where we talk about the man who traveled through time and faxed his way into internet history. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Are You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Fast Eddie's Obsolete Computer Warehouse. Are you looking for tech no one would think of using today? From Nokia 3310s to Univac tube computers, look no further than Fast Eddie's Obsolete Computer Warehouse. We have all the stuff that should be in the junk pile, except, you know, stuff worth money. From Packard Bell 486's new inbox to Creaky Dell laptops from 1998, no more searching through basements or digging around on Craigslist. When your commander sends you on a journey through time to find a Coleco Atom needed to stop the rise of the sentient machines, just ask Fast Hattie and he will get you back to the future with your junk tech right away. Fast Hattie's Computer Warehouse, saving humanity one Tandy 1000 at a time. Dear Art, I had to fax when I heard other time travelers calling in from any time past the year 2500 A.D., Please let me explain. Time travel was invented in 2034. Offshoots of certain successful fusion reactor research allowed scientists at CERN to produce the world's first contained singularity engine. The basic design involves rotating singularities inside a magnetic field. By altering the speed and direction of rotation, you can travel both forward and backward in time. Time itself can be understood in terms of connected lines. When you go back in time, you travel on your original timeline. When you turn the singularity engine off, a new timeline is created due to the fact that you and your time machine are now there. In other words, a new universe is created. The very first computer I ever really used was a Zenith Z100, a hulking beige box with black and green screen that ran on a native DOS OS and two huge five and a half inch floppy drives. And what are those? It was like CD-ROM players, but not. What are those? 
Never mind, I don't have time to explain every little detail for one Zoomer listening to this show. The machine was wildly outdated by the time I sat in front of it in 1988. But the military, in its infinite wisdom, figured it was all the computer power we would ever need, and uh, they were not entirely wrong. All I did was use a hopelessly complex word processing program called WordStar 6. Interestingly enough, an earlier version of that program is used by none other than the author George R.R. R. Martin. He still uses it to write his novels today. Well, I actually like it. I mean, it, it does everything I want a word processing program to do, and it doesn't do anything else. I don't want any help. You know, I hate some of these modern systems where you type a, a lowercase letter and it becomes a capital. I, I don't want a capital. If I'd wanted a capital, I would have typed a capital. I know how to work the ship <laughs> If you've ever used this program, you will know how much this explains about why it takes Martin a decade to finish a goddamn chapter in one fucking book. Maybe you should update, George. It might speed you up. Now, since then, I have, of course, kept at least current with technology. I don't use cutting-edge technology since, uh... <laughs> That's some expensive shit. Damn skippy. And the bulk of my computer uses its Google Docs, Audacity, and browsing porn. You don't need cutting-edge for that. What I can say is, having evolved with technology like I have, I feel no particular nostalgia for old tech. I don't look like and look back on that grinding behemoth with green letters on a black screen and think, Yeah, those were good times. Because the programs were hideously complex to navigate. Doing something as easy as opening a file required the kind of navigation previously associated with taking a whaling ship around the Cape of Good Hope. And the systems ran so fucking slow, it took roughly the same amount of time as sailing a whaling ship around the Cape of Good Hope for the files to open. But sometimes, you find that you need outdated tech. And you don't got it. Like, I got these VHSC tapes that I would dearly love to be able to watch and transfer to digital, but I don't have a VCR, much less those kludgy adapters you had to use to put those little small VHSCs in the big box and watch it in your regular VCR. And so, like our topic today, I have to wait for a time machine to be discovered and then travel back in time to when the tech was prevalent, get the VCRs and adapters, and maybe fax a radio host about my journey. I found it on eBay. Yeah, okay, technically I could do that too. To begin our story, we must start where so many things like this started back then. From the high desert and the great American Southwest, good evening. That's right, Art Bell and Coast to Coast AM. And this show stands Art Bell. And along with the Don and Mike show and early Tom Likus before he went off the deep end, I consider him a personal hero of this here podcast host. If you were at all interested in the paranormal or pre-Trump conspiracy theory, you owe Art a tremendous debt of gratitude. And Art had this massive audience. As many as 12 million people regularly listened. Why? According to a 2018 obituary in the outline, quote, When it came to fielding listener calls, Bell was a firm believer in the no-screening approach, rejecting the industry standard in talk radio. You never spoke to an associate producer. If you got through on one of his lines, one for the Americans east of the Rockies, one for everyone west of the Rockies, a line for international callers, and another for first-time callers, and a wild card line, because why the fuck not, you were talking to Art, and you could rattle off whatever came into your sleep-deprived brain as long as you did didn't reveal your last name or make a cuss. 
That not, may not mean much in 2008, a world where we're all a Walmart yodel away from ubiquity. But in the days before YouTube and Twitter, you needed to signal jam a TV broadcast with a Rube Goldberg microwave device to get your bullshit heard. And that was revolutionary, unquote. So it was that on January 29th, 1998, that Art opened his line to time travelers from before the year 2500 AD. You gotta set rules, you gotta set ground rules. Set some boundaries. During the segment, Art read a fax. And that is? It's like a printed email. The fax Art read contained the message you heard at the top of the show in the opening from a time traveler. The gist of the faxes that were sent that night was that Y2K went terribly wrong, there were major disasters and wars, and that in 2034, CERN unlocked the secret of time travel through a process lovingly detailed in the faxes, and the faxer was sent back in time on a mission, as detailed in the second fax from the same traveler, quote, Let me explain, Mr. Bell. I sent a fax with this opening on July 29th, 1998. As I said then, I am a time traveler. I have been on this world line since April of this year and plan to leave soon. Typically, time travelers do not purposely affect the world lines they visit. However, this mission is unusually long, and I've grown attached to some people I have met here." Unquote. Art read the faxes, which were unsigned, and then went on with the other time travelers who called in on the wild card line that night. And that was the end of it. I would like to think so. Of course it wasn't. Even as I, and verbose and pointless as I am, can't make a show about just those two faxes, two years would transpire before our mysterious man for 2036 would reach out again to the coasters of Art Bell land, this time via a newer tool than the fax. And they call it the World Wide Web. Quoting from an article on Thrillist.com, quote, Two years later, a user dubbed Time Traveler Zero left a message similar to the coast-to-coast faxes in the Time Traveler Institute forums, then known as a safe space for people interested in chronal navigation and a logical destination for actual time travelers to make contact, unquote. His initial post from November 2nd, 2000 read, Greetings! I am the time traveler from the year 2036. I am on my way home after getting an IBM 5100 from the year 1975. My time machine is a stationary mass temporal displacement unit manufactured by General Electric. He goes on to describe in nonsense words about how the unit works and close the post saying he would be happy to post photographs of the unit if so desired. Interesting. Interesting. You see, in the early days of the information superhighway, we didn't have social media. We had three main ways of communicating with like-minded individuals. First was, of course, email, and that's self-explanatory. I don't need to discuss that any further. The second were chat rooms, which were real-time text communications, not unlike a text message or instant message, but public and ephemeral, unless, of course, you were using a chat logger. Chat rooms were notoriously chaotic, being in real time, and considering that 90% of all communication was some new participant logging on shouting ASL, meaning age, sex, and location, immediately followed by a request to go private for cyber sex. That was kind of like the equivalent of an unsolicited dick pic in those days. Having a conversation at a chat room was uh, difficult. At a party full of a bunch of horny teens. For real conversations, 
You wanted a bulletin board or message board. These were like proto-Facebook walls where one could post their thoughts and in a series of threaded replies, the other people on the board would call you an asshole or ask if you were interested in having cyber sex. I miss simpler times. These message boards were usually referred to as forums, though uh, that implies a level of reason discourse which frankly just wasn't there. And one thing about forums of the late 1990s and the early 2000s, they had people called moderators who constantly patrolled the forums to try to make sure that things stayed relatively under control, tamping down on flame wars, booting out people who were only there to stir the ship, and generally keeping things operating in some kind of sane fashion. Where did they go? Where did they go? Oh, well, you see, they got bored and realized they were doing an awful lot of work for free, and eventually they stopped doing it. Once social media came along, the companies running the show didn't believe in having human beings do that job, what with their crazy desire to be paid for the work, and started using artificial intelligence to do it. And you could see how well that worked out, what with you being banned for posting a message on Facebook saying that Nazis are assholes, while actual Nazis are still free to rant about eliminating the mud people. Anyway, Time Traveler Zero did not linger long on the Time Travel Institute. After all, the members of TTI were... These are very serious people. So Time Traveler Zero moved to a more suitable place for their message, the Art Bell Forums, a message board for fans of Coast to Coast AM. The Art Bell Forums were an open space for all kinds of kooks, loons, freaks, bullshit artists, conspiracy nuts, people believed with all their hearts they had an alien tracking device implanted in their asshole or believed they were vampires, actual aliens, and of course, damn time travelers. You know, the kind of people that run for Congress on the GOP ticket today. Into this frenzy entered a poster calling himself John Titor, claiming to be the person who faxed Art Bell and posted on the Time Traveler Institute. From an article in the UK Telegraph, quote, Between November 2000 and March 2001, he answered many more questions. At one point, he was even interviewed on National Talk Radio. He described his time machine in detail, even posting pictures of its user manual. A small internet cult grew up around him. Then one day, he was gone leaving his acolytes to pick over the remains. Today, there are little shrines to his name all across the internet. But who was he really? Unquote. Oh, a bullshit artist. Probably, but he was an interested one. Now, a lot of people were focused on the convincing sounding words Titor used to describe his time machine, which I admit sound depressive, but are also total gobbledygook. So let's talk about Titor and his mission instead. Going back to the Telegraph for their summary quote, Titor's actual target was the year 1975. He was making a stopover in 2000 for personal reasons. He was a member of a military unit tasked with retrieving items from the past which could help get society back on its feet. A civil war in the United States triggered a limited nuclear exchange with Russia in 2015, which killed nearly 3 million people in the aftermath. Life had returned to something more like what Republican survivalists imagine America should be, quoting Titor now. In 2036, I live in Central Florida with my family, and I'm currently stationed at an army base in Tampa. The people that survived grew closer together. Life is centered on the family and then community. I cannot imagine living even 100 miles away from my parents. There are no large industrial complexes created masses of useless food and recreational items. Food and livestock is grown and sold locally. People spend much more time reading and talking together face to face. Religion is taken seriously, and everyone can multiply and divide in their heads. On the other hand, they still had the internet, unquote. 
Tino had claimed from the beginning his mission was to go back to 1975 and obtain an IBM 5100 computer, an early portable system, meaning it only weighed about 20 pounds. The ostensible reason for needing said system, which was already a 25-year-old antique, long outdated in 2000, that was in 2036, Titor's home time, there was a problem with legacy Unix systems, and no one could read or code in Unix to access them for critical updates and repairs, and the 5100 actually spoke all the programming language used at the time by the manufacturer. Likely story! Actually, this little nugget of information is true, and again from the Telegraph quote, here's the kicker. Tidor claimed the 5100 was needed in the future due to a special feature with IBM did not publicly announce. Sure enough, Bob Dupke, an engineer who helped design it, confirmed that such a feature existed. The 5100 had the rare ability to emulate programs in older language used by IBM mainframes, but the company was worried about how its competition might use it and told nobody, unquote. So Titor was at least a well-informed hoaxer, a computer scientist, or an enthusiast who used his knowledge well. In other little piece of truth in all this, legacy systems are actually becoming a rather large problem for us only 15 years out from teeter time, though we still possess the ability to write the legacy code for reasons that I will go into shortly. So, I guess you're wondering, what was Titor doing in the year 2000? Well, he claimed it was personal reason that varied, that uh, he stated he'd grown fond of some people from this timeline, and was spending some time with them before returning home. That ass, that ass. He also mentions wanting to obtain some family photos that he got lost during the war. War. What war? Oh, that was that little Civil War thing I mentioned earlier. You see... Tador did not adhere to the Temporal Prime Directive when it came to telling us about our future. He specifically made sure to tell us that things in the world were going downhill and downhill quick. Quoting again from an actual John Titor post, quote, There's a civil war in the United States that starts in 2005. That conflict flares up and down for 10 years. In 2015, Russia launches a nuclear strike against the major cities in the United States, which is the other side of the civil war from my perspective. China and Europe, the United States, counterattacks. The U.S. cities are destroyed along with the AEF, the American Federal Empire. Thus we, in the country, won. The European Union and China were also destroyed. Russia is now our largest trading partner, and the capital of the United States was moved to Omaha, Nebraska, unquote. Additionally, Tidor told us that a massive worldwide pandemic would break out in the 20-teens. So close, he was, was right there. Well, no, not really, because that, epi that epidemic, that pandemic would be, uh, you know, mad cow disease. So, no, no, that didn't happen. Also, can't really happen, but never mind. He also said there would be a Waco-style event happening every month, referring to the siege of the Branch Davidian compound that happened in the mid-90s on everyone's doorstep. Well, you know, hey, just because that hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it won't. And the United States would break into smaller components still loosely affiliated but governed locally. In fact, it was this breakup that essentially started the brief but intense World War III of 2015. But we shouldn't worry about the Russians nuking us because their target wasn't Americans. It was the U.S. government. I really don't see the difference. Oh, there's a difference. Well, according to Titor, there was definitely a difference. He also predicted that the very last Olympics would take place in 2004, what with all the wars and the pandemics and stuff. And obviously, none of this has come to pass. 
CERN hasn't even developed any kind of time travel tech, which we know about, of course. We did not have a mad cow epidemic. There wasn't a nuclear strike in 2015. And as of this recording, the United States has not broken up into its constituent confederated republics. At least, not yet, anyway. So why the hell am I blathering on about all of this? As you start to dig through Titor's predictions, you can spot some interesting peeks into the time and the man that wrote them. It was definitely a man. In them, you see the proto-internet conspiracy economy starting to coalesce, deeply influenced by the late 90s hyper-conservative nationalist libertarian movement that was growing into these fun fucks we've got today. When you read through Titor's explanation of everything that happens, you see a deep libertarian bent in everything. The abolition of centralized banking, strong localized, local and individual autonomy, and the oppressive federal government, the American federal empire, pushing its citizens so hard they eventually have to rebel. The collapse of global, global trade, and still, yet somehow, we make these incredible scientific advances like time travel as though these advances were not the direct result of the global market financing the research. Asshole. John Tedor was... And honestly, in some circles, still is a Randian masturbatory fantasy where the world goes galt and comes out the other side stronger, freer, and happier than it was before. Not gonna happen! No, not gonna happen! <laughs> but that doesn't stop a lot of folks out there from wanking over the idea anyway. If John Teeter was posting today, he would be posting cue crumbs and talking about where we go one, we go all. Alas, John Tidor, or perhaps good for John Tidor, he returned to his time in March of 2001, packing his old computer and his time machine into a 1987 four-wheel drive vehicle. He doesn't specify what kind of vehicle it was, but I personally want to believe it was an 87 Toyota Tercel four-wheel drive wagon just because I get to reference a perfectly absurd and boring car twice in two weeks. And if you're wondering why none of these things Tidor warned us about came to pass, well, you have to understand that Tidor's very presence in 1975 and the year 2000 changed the future, or rather changed our future, because when you see John Tidor came back, timeline got fucked up. He set up an alternate timeline for us and created a universe where the events that dominated Tidor's timeline never came to pass in ours. Probably because of something John Tidor did here. Maybe it was the purchase of that 87 Toyota Tosel four-wheel drive wagon. Who knows? All you need to know is that this is all very real and very plausible if you don't really understand anything about science, but watched a shit ton of Star Trek The Next Generation where this kind of thing happened at least twice a season. This is highly improbable. Oh, come on. If you're listening to this podcast, you were definitely watching Star Trek The Next Generation. You might have some better explanation of why John Titor might have been right about things in the past, things not commonly known and totally wrong about the future, and maybe you're implying that perhaps John Titor was merely a hoax. Yeah, okay, that is actually what happened. But how it happened is kind of fucking fascinating. From a 2016 article on the AV Club, quote, In 2008, long after many of Titor's predictions had failed to happen, 
Italian TV show Voyager looked into him. The show hired a private investigator who found no evidence of John Titor ever having existed. He did, however, come across the John Titor Foundation, a company set up in 2003 with a P.O. box in Kissimmee, Florida. Of course it was Florida. Many of Titor's stories involve Florida. He claimed to live there in the future. The Titor Foundation published a book that same year, John Titor, A Time Traveler's Tale, now out of print. In 2009, the website, the website Hoax Hunter found the CEO of the Titor Foundation, an entertainment lawyer named Larry Haber. His brother, John, was a computer scientist, and as Titor had very specific knowledge of the IBM 5100, it is likely either John or the two brothers together created Titor and his predictions, unquote. Of course, this did not stop others from expanding the Titorverse over the years. There was a dude named Marlon Pullman writing on Godlike Productions in November 6, 2006, quote, I have a degree in physics and engineering and back-engineered this based on John Tito's post. I work for a large software company and have no profit motive and just wanted one and I didn't have the means to build it, unquote. Of course, uh, you know, the Thrillist article that gave me the actual copy of the very real U.S. patent for a time machine also informed me that, quote, Martin Pullman is currently spending six years in prison for drugging and raping four women. According to police, he mixed a cocktail of LSD, ecstasy, and nitrous oxide into a spring-loaded syringe and injected his victim in their necks before having his way with him, unquote. Definitely a libertarian. And as we mentioned earlier, the John Titor Foundation ran the website from 1999 to 2012, and it remains online with simply this message. 177 Tempest Edax Rerum. Good luck, John. And the book, John Titor, A Time Traveler's Tale, was published in 2003. Couldn't really find any, uh, any uh, numbers to say how much it did but it probably made a few hundred bucks for them. But if you're interested in buying one now, Amazon has them. It started at $894. And they held separate patents and trademarks, all of which have long been since classified as abandoned. And not everyone believes that John is gone for good. Pamela Moore, who said she had a detailed dream about a time traveler in 1998 before the first facts on Coast to Coast AM, told interviewers in the 2000s that she and Tidor were close. And before Tidor disappeared in 2001, he shared with her a secret song that she could use to identify any imposters. The identification of the song has, of course, become an obsession with Tidor researchers. And even today, there are various pretenders and oracles online who claim the Tidor identity as their own and continue to post in various corners of the web. No one takes them seriously. Certainly, no one can tell poor Pam Moore the correct song. My guess, by the way, so easy. It was the number one hit of 1975. If I'm right, Pam... No need to say anything because I'm definitely not John Titor, nor am I aware of being a time traveler in my own right, though I do possess a knowledge of many useless things transferring, transpiring, say, between 1975 and 2010. After that, my memory gets a little vague and I have to rely on Facebook memories to tell me what I was doing. So, there you have it. The story of a time-traveling soldier who came back for a computer and maybe fell in love 
stopped by our stopped our world from turning into utter shit. At least utter shit the way he remembered it. Notice nothing stopped the 2016 election of the fucking coronavirus pandemic. And that was probably some shit John Titor did as well. And if anyone could put John Titor anywhere near Donald Trump in 1975 or the year 2000, I want to fucking know about it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. <laughs> that is it for our show this week. What did we learn from John Titor? Well, mostly it's uh, that the internet is probably the worst thing that ever happened to humanity, and someone should go back in time and stop it from happening so we can all go back to sending faxes and making phone calls. But that's just me. I'm on another Facebook timeout for telling some dipshit that John Tito was a fantasy and that they needed therapy. Speaking of therapy, rate and review this show wherever you get your podcasts so that others will find the show, listen to it, and come to the conclusion that you probably need some for listening to this show. All of my predictions for the future can be found on the social at the help underscore podcast on Twitter or the show name on Facebook, though mostly they're just predictions that I will soon be drinking and shouting incoherently at someone for something they say on social media. I do not shout at people who donate to us at patreon.com slash what the hell podcast. In fact, that's a very good way to make sure you never are shouted at by me at all just for a dollar. All of our shows are vaulted for use by future generations like an IBM 5100 and what the hell podcast.com. And as always, we are proud members of the Seltzer Kings podcast network where many of the shows deal with time travel, but only from the mid 1990s to today which actually is more relevant than most of my shows. So for me, Dave... You ever black out when you're drinking, or as I call it, time travel? Bledsoe, producer, if I could travel through time, I would go back in time and take another job. Gavin and all the fictional chrononauts on this show, we want to say, he only comes out out of time. The libertarian type. Nothing is new. He's seen it all before. Watching and waiting... He's eyes on that compact Armada laptop from 1997. He needs to log in from 2036 to Prodigy Online so that he can tell someone that he loved him and he's sorry he ever disappeared. And we'll see you all next week. What the Hell Were You Thinking stars Dave Bledsoe and features Gavin St. James and several fictional minions. The show is produced by Kimberly Steele and a part of the Seltzer Kings Podcast Network. You can find more information on the show on their website, whatthehellpodcast.com, or on Twitter at thehell underscore podcast, or on Facebook as What The Hell Podcast. Thanks for listening. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow.